their children's authors build strong book businesses and grow their impact by hanging out with Lori here on The Writer's Way. Happy fall, y'all, or at least it is for me here in Canada as I record this. It's getting a little bit chillier and the leaves are changing colors. <laughs> and I love my friends in New Zealand who send me pictures of their beautiful summer just just blooming in that love and equal parts love and super jealous. Anyway, this month we're going to talk about, drumroll please, your author platform. <laughs> Excitement is rippling through the airwaves and giving me goosebumps, everybody. Seriously, though, we're going to talk about your author platform, its purpose, and your plan this month. So we're going to start off the topic with a book review and it isn't specifically about your author platform technically, but it is. And I think it's a really good read, easy read for everybody to do, especially if you have imposter syndrome cre- creeping in, if you have burnout on the horizon, if you're feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, and you need like a pep talk from a good friend who's been there and gets it. I think the book is totally worth the $10 that it costs or the couple of dollars it costs if you buy the ebook. The links will be in the description uh, and also in the emails if you signed up to get the emails. Okay, so written by Becca Sign. This book is called Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. No, it isn't specifically written for children's authors, but almost all of it still applies. And what doesn't apply, you can just extrapolate to our circumstances. Becca is a Gallup Strengths coach, and I first fell into her sphere, so to speak, in the 20 books to 50K group. Then, and that's when I got this book. It was 2019. Then I listened to her on the SPF podcast a few years back, I think. And I found everything she had to say so interesting. So I went ahead, I did the strength assessment that she shared for myself right away. I joined her Facebook group and I'm not usually into that stuff at all. Like, for example, I did the strengths. I went, oh, okay. And then, yeah, I couldn't tell you what they are. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even know if the group is still up and running because I don't participate. But anyway, I'm not usually into uh, any of that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what my Enneagram type is. People ask me, what's your Enneagram? And there's another one with the, the letters. I don't know. But right now, I will tell you, I'm taking a course about money and planning for your future and really cool stuff. And there was a bonus module and it talked about your Enneagram and what you are when it comes to money. So I'm pretty sure if memory serves correctly, I was six when it comes to money, (laughs) which I only know because that course I'm taking. Anyway, that's a little bit of a side topic. I, I, I do kind of think that it's uh, a bit, little bit ironic because I write for kids about their self-esteem, their positive self-talk. I give talks on like mental health and well-being and how to support our kids in the classroom and at home. All these things that connect with them emotionally that help with anxiety and uh, depression. And anyway, aside from parenting my own kids, uh, occasionally parenting the fighters on the playground because I'm not mom, I'm not a touchy-feely person, like not at all. Not really a hugger, although after coming out of seclusion for 18 months, I hug all the people. (laughs) But I ask first because I understand. But motivational sort of stuff isn't really my strength. So usually I tell people like, I'll listen and be the ear and then I'll, you know, give you a good swift kick in the butt to get you going. As an example, a lot of people post, oh, this review is so terrible, it hurts my heart. 
Uh, sometimes they're laughing, sometimes they're sad inside, even though they're laughing. And usually my response is something along the lines of don't read your, that's it. Don't read your reviews. I learned that myself the hard way and I'm five years in and I haven't read my reviews probably in two years. That's just an example of how I'm not at all touchy feely, but that's why I wanted to bring this particular book to your attention because Becca is like that. She's also, she's not totally touchy feely. She's also very kick in the butt when you need it. Stop doing it. That's why her title is Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. Point blank. That's it. You need to quit. Uh, now quit writing, but we'll get into what she's talking about. And I appreciate it because it's straight talk, but it's also an appropriate amount of emotional support that we all need from time to time. So this book, I'm concentrating just on this book, but it's part of a whole series, Dear Writer series, which is a really cool premise, I think. This particular one has 15 chapters on things you can quit. So it's quit this, a quick, quit that. And then those middle chapters are bookended by the bad news, which is at the beginning. But then at the end, the last chapter is called the good news. And again, I just find that setup really neat. So I super duper love her first quit chapter. It's so relevant to so many of us in the children's genres. So it's called Quit Accepting the Premise. So she calls it QAP. <laughs> um, for novelists, the premises that she talks about that people just blindly accept, they're, they're different for us. It's not the same stuff, but the idea holds regardless. It's true across all genres, and it's that you shouldn't just accept things because lots of people say it. Even if I'm one of the ones saying it, don't just accept what I say. Do some research and ask around. So think about... If there's any premises that maybe you have just blindly accepted, and we will, we'll have, uh, think of both things you've read in Facebook groups so many times that you just accept that they're true. So you don't poke around online to see what else you can find about it. You don't read books. You don't try it out for yourself and see if it works or not. You don't even really ask about that particular thing in a different group to get a different perspective. So I'll give you one example as it pertains to us as children's authors. Many people talk about how printing in bulk is the only way, picture my fist hitting my desk, but I won't because the sound would reverberate, but the only way to make a decent living from your books. And it's been loud, loudly said, loudly repeated, frequently repeated. And so now when brand new writers come into face these Facebook groups where there's a lot of people who believe this and share it, they come to believe that it's the absolute truth. Because I've seen it repeated so many times. They don't go and poke around. They obviously don't come and listen to me or talk to me on a free call. They don't come to my group. They don't, I don't know, search the net. There's got to be lots of stuff on the, on the internet about it. But instead, they just start planning their Kickstarter. They get their books printed. And without ever getting different opinions or thinking the process through, they just blindly bulldoze into the Kickstarter, into the book printing, get it up on Amazon. Well, no, they don't think through the process to the next three to five years. And to be clear, I'm not against bulk printing at all. Not at all. But I've helped enough authors, distraught authors, who have thousands of books in their basements because when you start talking about the price at that quantity, of course, 5,000 sounds way better that price than the 1,000 price. So they end up with thousands of books in their basements and their garages and they have no way to sell them. They don't know how, they don't know how to market, they don't know how to sell anything, they just knew 
at the time that that was how everybody did it. And so that's how they had to do it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it's right for some people. Absolutely. But I don't think that it's right for everybody at all. And then that's why, because if you don't have any marketing or sales background and you don't have the ability to learn due to your life situation, how busy you are, your actual time capacity, like we're all limited. So if you can't figure that out, you shouldn't print that way and you shouldn't distribute that way. One quote from the book that I really liked is, I'll try to do it justice here. One of the most pervasive myths among humans is the equation of similarity with sameness. This is because this is the, because we are similar, we must be the same fallacy. Okay. I hope that I did that justice. It's why we subconsciously think, because we're all writers here, that the best writers are examples of people to copy. In other words, because this quote-unquote famous successful writer says so, then I must do the same thing. So you can see that happening a lot in the groups. Sometimes it's not famous or successful writers. Sometimes it's just loud, loud writers, right? Some people write loudly and you read it loudly, like those people get listened to. I've seen it a lot over the years and it's just, it's not always the way to go. Just because it's accepted or just because you hear it or read it said a lot, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the way to go. And it's because this fallacy, this, because this person says that I must do the same thing, that's a lie, right? That's not the truth. The famous or successful or whoever you're looking to emulate to copy, their system lines up with their brain, their goals, their capacity, their lifestyle, which of course is not going to be the same as yours. Another example of this as it pertains to me and how I just accepted what was commonly said from somebody I looked up to, I never questioned it until this past year. An example of it is ending your book blurb, your book description on Amazon with a strong call to action. So I myself, myself, I took this as absolute truth, didn't question it, didn't read other books on blurb writing or even copywriting in the beginning because I wasn't into that then. So for a few years, that's how I did it. That's how I did it for other people. That's how I did it for myself. And I did it only because somebody I looked up to said so. There's nothing wrong with ending a blurb with a strong CTA. It's just not necessarily right either. There's more than one way, right? So that chapter, I particularly enjoyed the question, the premise chapter. Definitely read that. If you get it on Kindle or something, at least read that if you don't have time to read anything else. And appreciate that on behalf of all new writers out there who are just accepting the premise. There's a lot of emotions that come up when you put yourself out there into the world with your book babies. Overwhelm. Oh my gosh. Overwhelm as you go through the process feeling like you don't quite know what you're doing and you're not quite sure that you deserve to be doing this. And then finally you get through, right? You get the dang thing published and then it's not euphoria, maybe for 30 minutes, but it's burnout, like bad burnout because you spend so long trying to get the thing out there that you don't have anything left over. Frustration, self-doubt, mental depletion, fear, we experience it all, right? All these negative emotions. And while some of them, of course, are valid and at different times are valid, they aren't all valid. They aren't all always valid. So I found that Becca did a 
particularly good job of calling us all out on our beliefs. And it's our beliefs often, our insecurities, our these negative emotions, these lead to certain beliefs that are just not true, right? We all have our own particular hangups. And Becca says it really simply. She says it is time to stop. It's time to quit. But she calls it out really nicely. <laughs> nice, nicely for people. Another chapter that I especially liked was chapter 11, which is titled, Quit Setting Expectations You Can't Meet. So Becca specifically talks about rapid release schedules or just release schedules in general in this, in this chapter, which doesn't usually apply to the children's book genre, but you can apply it to a lot of other areas. So let's do that for a sec. Think about what wild expectations are you currently setting for yourself? Even though that you're not able to meet them. And even though you even can anticipate that when you don't meet them, you're going to feel shame and guilt about not meeting them. Hands up if that's you. Yeah, my hands up too. Do you think that you can post to Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok while homeschooling your kids and working part-time outside the house? Uh, you can't, my friend. You just can't. But Continuing to expect that level of production from yourself is a sure way to crumble under that pressure from yourself. So that's what she's talking. Becca's super simple advice is just simply make it sustainable. Whatever you do, if it's your release schedule, if it's your social media, whatever it is, your emails, make it sustainable. So think to the future, what are you going to realistically be going to be able to, to do given your lifestyle and everything else going on for you? My take on this, everything you do, just slow it down. Think it through like forward in time a few months. Can you keep it up? And more importantly, will you want to? Because those are two different things. Can you want to? A clear case in my situation is my Instagram accounts. That's right. I have two Instagram accounts. I don't know what it was. Maybe six months ago. I didn't like how both of my worlds like the book writing books and then marketing coaching, they were squeezed together on one account. I didn't like that. I don't know why, but I didn't like it. I didn't feel like I was reaching both equally well. And so I did something about it. Yay me, yay Lori. I separated them out. And by doing so, I doubled the expectations I put on myself. And I wish I could tell you that I rose to the occasion, but I did not. I promptly crumbled under all that pressure. I barely posed. Have I noticed a difference in sales or anything else? No, I haven't. I've noticed a difference in the marketing, probably the marketing coaching sales, but I didn't get a lot of my book sales from Instagram. Anyway, that happens to all of us, but if you can sit down and really think about what you're currently expecting of yourself and just make it a little bit more sustainable, okay? Then you don't be like Lori. I've uh, really enjoyed going back through this book. It came out in 2019, like I said, but it's still relevant, if not more relevant now, I think. And I'm going to grab a few more in her series. They're easy to read. They're helpful for my mindset and to gain, gain clarity. And I think we all need a little bit more clarity, right? So if you want the email notes for this show, so remember this is the free month of getting the email notes and the bonuses and the tips and tricks and all that fun stuff. Sign up at beyondthebookmarketing.com forward slash Becca. So beyondthebookmarketing.com forward slash B-E-C-A. 
this month is free. You don't, you don't get charged $5. Yeah. I won't just start charging you $5 either, just so that you, but this is the free month. So you could check it out. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, come back to the last show and give it a listen. It doesn't take long. It's pretty short, but I laid out my lay ideas and how this season's going to go. And if I'm going to recoup some of the podcast costs so that I can keep doing it. So it becomes sustainable for me. In the email newsletter this week, I'll be including the links to Becca's site, to her books, some of her podcast episodes. And get this, her podcast is called QuickCast. Isn't that clever? I love it. That's all for this show. My friends, next time we'll be talking strategy and how your overall book marketing strategy should look. So you'll be set up for sustainable success and sales. Ciao, my friends.